how do you think you fare in your first five games? Um, well, we'll see. We'll see about obviously signings between then and now. But right now, with with the players we have signed, I could see us getting some points there. I can. I think we'll beat Wimbledon on first game of the season. Be a good Wednesday, start. I don't know. It, it it depends on their situation. So, uh, Accrington, forget about that. Because <laughs> we always frigging lose to them, <laughs> especially away. Portsmouth we have a decent record against anyway. And Rotherham, it's it's Rotherham. It, <laughs> I actually think Rotherham will do all right again. So. I agree. I agree. To be fair, looking at those yeah. fi- look looking at those fixtures, I've had a look at Sheffield Wednesday's fixtures, and theirs aren't particularly. They, there's some tasty games in that league next year. League One is going to be so competitive. Now. Welcome back to the next instalment of On the Terrace. Nice to have you uh, with us again, Ben. How are you doing, mate? All right, thank you. You? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm glad it's Friday, and glad it's the end of the week. Not long to go. Just three more weeks, then it's summer. But we will get there. Okay, so this episode is going to be a little bit different because, well, a day that's a bit like Christmas. Came about mm. on Thursday with most of the team, well, all the teams on the patch now um, being residing solely in the EFL. All the teams in the area got their fixtures on Thursday, so the the key fixtures we we look out for typically is first day, last day, Boxing Day, and birthday normally. But seeing as though Ben's with us, we'll uh, we'll look at Donny's fixtures and have a look at theirs, and we'll do a preview later on in the series about Donny's season when things start to shape up and pre-season's back underway, and we'll we'll delve into that and want some players start coming through the door. But I remember you actually saying Ben that in one of the other episodes that while well, Richie Wallens had come to the club um, and nothing was really happening, and you signed two or three players now, and obviously now Tommy Rose come back. and four, yeah, four, four yeah, players. So four players have come mm-hmm. through the door, but we'll talk about one specifically shortly. But let's let's talk your fixtures first. So your five fixtures are, as we've just been discussing off air, quite tasty. So it starts with Wimbledon at home first. Then your first away game is a quite a short trip over to the blue and white side of Sheffield. Uh, then Accrington Stanley away, Portsmouth at home, and Rotherham mm-hmm. away. And sandwiched between that is Warsaw at home in the Carabao Cup. So you've got five, five. Yeah, no one really gives a shit anyway. But it's it's free money at the end of the day. Well, we know that Sunderland didn't make it up. Obviously, neither did Portsmouth. You've got Rotherham in there. You've now got Sheffield Wednesday dropping back into there, and then you've got sort of sort of them outsiders as well, like Wickham, who did really well to obviously get to the championship in the first place. They could be up there, and then you've got the surprise packages from last season, like Accrington. I think the league is actually harder next year than it was the, the year just gone, even with Hull and Peterborough. Yeah. I don't know. Obviously, we we are so unpredictable, so it's really hard to predict. Yeah, you definitely. I th- I think with Richie Wellens, I think he'll definitely prioritise the home form, um, and just being really solid away. Sort of go to the big places like obviously Sunderland, Portsmouth, Wednesday yeah. to go to. If you get three points out of them three games, just by not shutting up shop, but yeah. just. Playing a playing a very rigid style of football and taking your opportunities when they arise, I think that might be the the areas for success. But that is not an easy set of fixtures to start off with. No, you win them, then the confidence will be sky high. Absolutely, imagine walking out there with fifteen points. Ooh, Jesus, well, it'll be twelve, twelve maps because Zacharyns. Well, yeah. Well, what, what, what? Watch, you'll get spanked by Wimbledon at first game of the season. Get wh- whacked by Wednesday. They're going to Accrington and give them a whacking. 
So it, it, anything can happen in, in football. Um, but other big news that's come out of Donny in the last couple of days is the re-signing of Tommy Rowe from Bristol City, who spent two years down at Ashton Gate. How do you feel about him coming back and stepping through it? I listened to his interview, a um, little snippet of it on Radio Sheffield, and he seemed super positive and really glad to be back. I'm glad he's back because um, he, he had, I don't think he's done bad at Bristol City and he's he's in the Championship, so I think he has done all right there. He has been playing sort of left-back nowadays. He's, As he, he gets older, he's, he's dropped back. I think he had th- made 31 appearances for Bristol City last season and I know they were really injury-hit last year. Like They they had worse injuries than Sheffield United did and we were, we were plagued with them. Like, quite a few teams were. But to play 31 games in Championship is not a mean feat. No. I'm just glad he's back because when he was with us before, he, he, he was a fantastic player and he, he, was a, he was captain and all. So, What does he bring to, what, what does he bring to Donny that, again, <laughs> what, 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 what you didn't already have before? Why, why is Richie Well... Another is that... leader, another old head. Quality player as well. He can strike a ball, even though he probably will play a left back. He can strike a ball. He can. He's a good footballer, and he, he'll. Him and sort of having an extra old player, he can't go wrong with a bit of experience. And he knows the club. He knows what we're about. I don't know if he actually played with Richie Wellens. I think Wellens might have left before we signed Tommy Rowe, but Wellens. Rowe will be aware of what Wellens wants and it'll be sort of similar to McCann in a way and he played under McCann. It's like, if, if you don't put effort in, then don't come here kind of thing. And if he wants to be here, then happy days. I'd re- really recommend you listening to the Radio Sheffield, if you've not heard it already, on, on BBC Sounds. He says, I think he's actually quoting and saying he's actually... Once he left Doncaster Rovers, he sort of got as far as he wanted at that level. He wanted to challenge himself in the league above, which every player has a right to do, and he earned it. Mm. Uh, from what you had told me, from what fairly little I'd seen of Tommy Rowe over that period of his time at Doncaster, and he says he's actually come back now a better footballer. So that mm. surely can only benefit you in the long run and for the for the season ahead, because definitely after Darren Moore left, you did lack a leader in that side yeah. because your leader was actually not on the pitch but stood on the side of it yeah and it just, it just didn't suit him but um, I, I'm glad he's back we when when he got released by Bristol City a lot of us were thinking I'd have him back I'd actually genuinely have him back and then the rumours started going around I thought are we actually going to sign him again and then you know what the fish they like football clubs Twitters they like teas don't they and that's exactly what they did. I, I think I think it's a really clever signing by Doncaster Rovers. I would have probably guaranteed that there would have been some championship clubs, sort of bottom end championship clubs, looking yeah. at um, bringing an experienced heading like Tommy Rowe next season, especially if there was a need a, a versatile footballer, um, because versatile footballers are quite hard to, quite rare to, to find in the modern game. Sheffield United seems to have 
plenty of them that can play like Ben Osborne, for instance, and put him yeah. in any, put him in any position, and he'll he'll try his hardest. And because he's technically good going forward and backwards, and I think Tommy Rose is a little bit of the same. Is there's not many yeah. there's not many now left wingers or wingers turn into fullbacks. It usually goes the other way where fullbacks turn into wingers. From the outside looking, and I think that is a top quality signer that that mm. Donny have made. And, I think that there's only not just better to the team on the football pitch that that off it as well. And you've got, he seems like a quite a strong personality as well. Yeah, he, he was before. I just hope he doesn't take penalties again. Well, <laughs> not after the one in playoff. No, no, but I'm, I'm no. sure I'm sure he can be forgiven for that. Because there's a couple of a couple of other lads you signed. Is it that Roshan Williams you've signed? Roshan Williams from Shrewsbury. Um, Kyle Noyle from Cambridge, which I think is a good signing as well. I didn't even see that one. That one slipped under my radar. He got into the League Two play, uh, team of the season last and year. I, I know the player. I just didn't know he signed for you. <laughs> no, you know, we we signed. We kind of signed three players within a week of each other, and then playing close from Portsmouth. That was quite a while ago. Yeah, that was quite early on. I remember that one. Possibly like a Ben Whiteman kind of replacement. He's a good player. He's a very, very good player. Portsmouth have made some really odd transfer decisions over the last sort of... They've been in a little bit of turmoil, haven't they, in regards to trying to recruit and keep players and the speculation around the Cowley brothers and the West Centre around the West Brom job. and Obviously, that's now been sorted. We'll talk about that in a second. But, um, yeah, they've made some strange decisions with that kid going to Wigan. Um, and that, that was a. I remember I read that in the Athletic, and he was like, "What, what, what the fuck's going on here?" But I, I know I don't. I think I've seen that Roshan Williams play before, um, and I've seen Ben Close play before. But I know nothing about that that lad from Cambridge. And obviously, they've come up last season, um, scoring a hatful of goals. So that sounds like a, a quite a little clever signing. I'm going to move away from Donny um, for this moment, for this little bit because other big news from the patch is about um, Valerian Ishmael. Yeah, leaving uh, little old Barnsley as we like to call them, and moving, well, really down the down the M1, down the forty two, and uh, to West Brom. Um, this has been on the cards for about a week. Um, it first yeah. really news really broke last weekend that they were in in conversation with Barnsley about a two million pound release clause, and that was finally met. But the West Brom job seemed as unfancied as the Spurs job. It seems to be yeah. like everybody was rejecting it, or sort of there was there was a front runner and then no front runner. It seems like Chris Black was Chris Wilder's job, and he seemed to have either have toned it down or the personality was too big for whatever. I've read a variety of things, yeah. but as a as an outsider looking in and looking at Barnsley's successes last season, what are your thoughts about the appointment of Ishmael to for West Brom? I, I mean, it's you could probably look at it as a good appointment because of how well he did with that Barnsley team. I mean, I know it's a young team and they've possibly overachieved last season, but they did they did survive like by the skin of their teeth the season before. So he's obviously got something about him to get Barnsley in the playoffs, let alone survive. Um, the problem with Barnsley is it's always going to happen to him. Like the they kind of got what we have with, with Darren Moore. Like, if you, if your manager's doing well, a big, a so-called bigger club is going to come along and pinch them. And money talks with clubs like that. And um, it's an interesting appointment for West Brom. I did think Chris Wilder might have gone there, but obviously 
it's not quite happened and I think West Brom fans should be quite happy with that one because of how well he did with Barnsley. We've got a few um, West Brom fans on social media and one of them is ecstatic at the appointment. He's quite football aware. He, he comes and watches yeah. all the football. But I've seen quite a lot of negative comments around Valerian Ishmael's appointment. Basically says, well, how can he re- if he can replicate it again? Well, he, he's unproven. He's like, well, actually, if you look at his track record, he mm. took a team that traditionally finished fifth or sixth in the Austrian League to the Europa League yeah. and where one of the legs, they, well, they beat Man United over two legs. Yeah. So, and that's from a manager who is relatively unknown. And then he was recruited by, by Barnes, who have seemed to have this knack of going to the Austrian League and stealing, not stealing as such, but taking managers and, give, and giving them a chance. The last three have been from either the German around that area. I think the last three have been from the Austrian League, in Daniel Stendhal, Gerhard Struber, and Valerian Ishmael, and giving them a punt. And because Barnsley are such a well run football club, like their finances are so in check, and Dane Murphy, their um, CEO, is actually wanted by Nottingham Forest. So they they could have another departure on their on their hands. I agree with you, mate. I I really do think it's it's a class appointment. Um, but this leads on to my next question: Will they actually struggle to keep on with the players? Because now Valerian Ishmael has arguably gone to. I'm not going to be biased. One of the bigger clubs in the the probably the up there with the biggest club in that league, regards to finances, stature, yeah. capacity of ground, um, prestige. Go on that sort of way. Do you think they'll struggle to hold on to their key players like Alex Moa, who's in contract talks and seems to have been since um, God created the earth, and Callum Styles, etc.? I think they will do, but it's whether the, whether or not... I don't know who Barnsley are looking to appoint as well. Like They might see who Barnsley are looking to appoint first. But... The, the problem is with Alex Moa, he's got well, if it, if it doesn't work out, he's got a week to sort out his contract because it'll run out at the end of this month if it's, oh, yeah. if it's, if it's, if it's not been extended by, by a certain point. So he'll be a, either a free agent and he can walk into any club. And trust me, after last season, he'll probably walk into any club in that league. Oh, and, yeah, pro- yeah. and probably be interested in maybe even teams at the bottom end of the Premier League and especially those three that have been promoted. Mm. I don't know. I- I can't say I've been watching Barnsley, to be honest, but um, I know they are quite, they are known for their youth players and like development. Yeah, they've they've um, they've signed it like kids in the past that have just basically just gone to the academy and just magically appeared, and they've also done quite well with lower league players. I remember very early on they t- signed a kid called Toby Sibic from Wimbledon, who as a like I like Wimbledon every time they're on the telly or if they're nearby I'll I'll try and go and watch them. It's just a team I like because of their foundations, their ethos and my passionate hatred for MK Dons. Um and I remember Toby Sibic being a uh, like Wimbledon's one of their outstanding players and he signed for Barnsley and he signed, I think he played not many games and then got shipped out on loan. I think he went to Bel- I think he went to Oostend or somewhere, either a team in Belgium or in Holland. Mm-hmm. Um, for for half a season and Barnsley fans were like why have we got this kid back he's shit and then he came in halfway through last season because they had a bit of a crisis at right back and he's been one of their standout performers so it just shows that you can sign players from the lower leagues and they can actually do alright yeah exactly so it's, um, it's, it's going to be interesting where they go next 
because it's a massive shame that Valerian Ishmael has gone to West Brom. I'd have lo- yeah. I've said this before. I'd have loved to have seen him down at S at S two. I'd have loved yeah. to. I know we got Slavica Jukanovic. I'd have absolutely loved to uh, to to see them. It, coincidentally, though, um, some of their some of the odds for the next manager are also from that same league. So the, the favourite is a guy called Marcus Shop, whose team is. SV Hardberg, yeah, in the Austrian league. <laughs> in the Austrian league. Um, but on William Hill at 7-1 to one is the second favourite, is Chris Wilder, which would be a very, very interesting choice. Very, very interesting. It's an unbelievable choice. If, if if they get Chris Wilder, I'll just stand up and clap my hands. He'd have, if they were to get him, they'd have to, they'd have, they'd have to back him. Like, the, with finances. I think they would though. To be, f- I I know they they work on a shoestring budget, and um, we've discussed before about how well Valerian Ishmael has done on a shoestring budget. But also, Wilder's got the contacts in regards to he can do it. Yes, he spent quite a lot of money in it, but because he was backed, and yes, he left because he was backed. But you go into a club like Barnsley, who are not good. You know from the outset, if you take that job, you're not going to be given a. He's not going to be a leprechaun's pot of gold, is he? You're not going to be given millions to spend you're going to have to work within a budget so that'd be interesting but also yeah. some other names that are on here is Alex Neal ex-Preston Hannes Wolf who was at Bayer Leverkusen Adam Murray who is actually in their um, backroom staff anyway Gareth Ainsworth's on there Derek McInnes uh, mm. Phil Parkinson but another one that's that's come up that's interesting is Paul Warren now, uh, now that would be a punt I'd like to see I wouldn't mind seeing that because he has done a he has done a very good job at Rotherham. Mm. I'd love to see him at a, like a slightly bigger club and like a bit more money behind him. Because if he's done that well with Rotherham, I'd look, I, I would like to see him try somewhere else. But I actually think Alex Neal wouldn't be a bad fit. But would he inspire Barnsley fans? I don't think he would. No, I, I think he's a bit he's a bit vanilla for me. Yeah. Like, I think he plays quite rigid football. I think he's a very good tactician and I think he knows the game very well. But as a personality, is he what Barnsley Football Club need? The last three managers have all had personality, like massive personalities where the fans have just got on side. And Barnsley is a town, like most of the ta- little smaller towns in South Yorkshire, they get behind a personality. It's either got yeah. to be someone associated with the club. And Barnsley have gone down a different model. Danny Stendhal is like... He will never have to buy a pint in Barnsley ever again. No. Um, Gerhard Struber was just a, 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 a G. He was just absolutely brilliant. He was just, he was a cracking. And Valerian Ishmael just got the fans on side with this expansive, fluid, risk-free football, which West Brom have obviously taken a keen eye to. So I think Barnsley definitely needs someone that's got a bit of bite about them. I, I do, I do think they'll go for another. Um, possibly another another Austrian manager or another Austrian league manager but if the philosophies worked before a lot of good managers have moved up look at Marco Rosa for instance like now going to take over he's, he's used the stepping stone going straight from from the Austrian league to uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach and then now he's going to take over Borussia Dortmund next season that yeah. stepping stone is good and in the Austrian league it's a piece of piss to get into Europe Yeah. so you're going to get that experience well We'll see, won't we? We will. We will definitely see. But the second part of that question I want to ask you is, is depending on we've looked at the options that they have, 
I we we probably most realistic football fans, probably most Barnsley fans, to be fair, know that they won't. The the chances of replicating fifth place again like last season is going to be slim, if not none. But do you yeah. think they'll be able to just consolidate in Championship and go and rebuild again, or do you think they are looking like relegation fodder again? It, it all depends on if they keep their hold of their best players. If they keep hold of their players, I think they'll probably finish mid-table. Also, depending who they get as manager and whether you know they can get them on side and get them playing again. But I think if if they if they do lose players like Moat Styles, I do think they'll probably will be down there again. But after last season, it's very hard to just underestimate Barnsley now. Yeah, I I definitely do agree. Um, but they could have that same tagline as Sheffield United, finishing ninth in Premier League, and then yeah. whoop. <laughs> I was thinking that like once the other side of the coin is they probably do have a disaster season of go back to the fans that we all know about. Yeah, and bearing in mind also, Sheffield United spent money in the summer <laughs> and spent it on a striker that did not score once, not one, yeah. not one goal ever live that I saw. Ever, <laughs> so it, it, it can work both ways. I really do hope Barnsley find a, a cracking manager because they were, they were the good story, yeah. of um of the the last EFL season alongside teams like Cheltenham and also Morecambe. Yeah, I bloody love seeing Morecambe in League One, and the fact that they're playing Sheffield Wednesday at the end of August <laughs> that just makes me happy. Oh, Sorry, we we're probably going to go Morecambe away. And it's on the first of January. Is it actually? Oh, you're like, so oh, we are I, going to be freezing. I, get Gary's a ticket, I'm coming. I, I'd love that, <laughs> aren't I? If you don't oh. snow, New Year's up in Arrogant, I'm definitely there. Fleetwood were cold, but Morecambe might be just as bad. So, moving away from the local stuff and the. Um, club football we're going to switch back to the international scene the last 16 is now upon us uh, the tournament's been been pretty eventful so so far we've seen more VAR decisions we've seen some dodgy challenges some dodgy decisions but that's football first so the, la- so the last 16 as it looks and this is not in order and there's a specific reason to that the 16 teams that are left are Wales versus Denmark Italy Austria Belgium, Portugal, which is tasty. Uh, Netherlands, Czech Republic. Uh, France, Switzerland, which is like the basically like Rob from Donny of the international world. Mm. Uh, Croatia, Spain, Sweden, Ukraine, and the podcast derby has been created <laughs> between England and Germany, and we will do a massive preview of that towards the, in the latter half of the show. But what I want to start with, Ben, actually, is a, I'm going to ask you a, a couple of questions about just the tournament as a whole from what we know so far before we look at and review the home nations. So, looking at the games that have been played and all the, the group stages, who's been the standout side for, for you so far? I think the Italians have been brilliant. Um, I've been quite impressed with Holland as well. I think Italy and Holland have been pretty impressive. I've not been particularly impressed by France, to be honest. I don't think they've clicked. But... I think I think with I think with France, I heard um, a great French um, commentator called Julien Laurent on um, Five Live the other day, and it was sort of like, this is the time for Kylian Mbappe just to 
take it by storm. And he was a what eighteen year old at, at the Russia World Cup. Mm. Um, he's now a twenty one, twenty two years old, and he's 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 been he's shown flashes, hasn't he? But like, especially against Germany, he was he was frightening. But um, from what I saw of their game against Portugal, which wasn't particularly very much, it was sort of yes, he won the penalty. Uh, but apart from that, he's not been he's not taking the get not taking the the tournament by storm as much. No, I I mean Portugal are quite they're a bit like that, aren't they? They know how to defend against the top players, and um, a lot of teams probably will sit deep against France because of Mbappe's pace, because he's frightening, absolutely frightening. Did it, did anyone not tell Germany to do that? I said, Germany no. spent more time defending that fucking halfway line against France. Well, you got Kylian Mbappe running at you. He'll just run round that summers, which he did on quite a few occasions. <laughs> if if Portugal shit house this tournament again, I'm gonna fucking kick off because in know, I, the last really tournament, the last tournament they finished third in the group. Yep. Yes, they've won a game this time because um, the first game they actually won was against Wales in the semi final. Yeah. Uh, but that's what international football's about. It's not about going out and not like league teams. Like if you look at Man City, for instance, in club football, they just go out and basically score as many as possible. International football's not like that. It's no. very, very, will be as solid as possible. And Hungary demonstrated that perfectly on yeah. uh, the other night against against Germany, where they defended so well. Like over, like Tony Kroos, for instance, made ninety nine passes. Yeah. And there was an over eight hundred completed passes by Germany. <laughs> Over 800. About 96% of them were sideways, but <laughs> it wasn't particularly very productive. But it's just ridiculous. But I, I, I do agree with you that I've been very impressed with, with Italy. Another team I've been been quite impressed with, and I thought I'd never say this, is their opponents, Austria. I've not watched Austria. I've watched all three of their games, and yes, North Macedonia are North Macedonia. They, 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 they qualified there through the Nations League. Against Ukraine for 70 minutes, they were unreal, mm. absolutely unbelievable. They, they, I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw what happened with Christoph Baumgartner uh, in that game. So I, I like watching Austria because it's practically Hoffenheim's second team. There's there's, lo- there's loads of Hoffenheim players dotted around. Um, so there was a, an incident where he was, and I'd, I'm really interested to hear your thoughts about this. Um, there was an incident where he, there was a was it a clash I think it was a clash of heads, and he was down on the floor and he sat on the side of the pitch. He yeah. basically fobbed the doctor off, got up, yeah. and must have been ten minutes later. He then scored the goal that put Austria in front. Mm. He then subsequently, after he scored, about two minutes later, then went off with a concussion <laughs> substitution. He was he was effectively forced off the pitch by his own doctor because it was the the second time he'd been he'd been treated. He was complaining of dizziness. Yeah. What do you think about these concussion substitutes? Should uh, should it be done by an independent doctor, or do you, do you put trust in the national team's doctor that sees these players every single day? I don't know what to say because surely if if you if you clash your head, you've got to at least like consult with a doctor of some form. Because it can it can definitely affect your eye vision, but if he scored, then his eye vision must have been fine for a bit. But um, I really don't know what to say. I don't exactly bash my head very often. Oh, I do. Purely because of my lack of height, but <laughs> <laughs> um, it's very brave of him to carry on, but. 
surely you should listen to your body and like if if you're dizzy you should probably get at least some sort of advice from a doctor even if it's the international physio the, the the problem is the, the UEFA brought these concussion subs in to prevent this, but if it's the play, it shouldn't be the player making the decision. That's my problem. The players yeah. then making the decision not to go off, which yeah. sort of for me defeats the complete object. But my next question for you is, who has been the player, your player of the tournament, like the one that's really stood out for you? I'm not going with Ronaldo because he's just scored penalties. Penaldo. Um, no, I'm not going with him. Uh, <sighs> I think Wildadam's done well for Holland. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not really a standout Italian player that's that like jumps out of you. Oh, um, my, mine's not. Mine's not Dutch or Italian. To be honest, I actually think Ramsey and Bale have both done quite well. Yeah, I think they've been excellent. Uh, I see Danny Ward as well. I think he's been brilliant. Yeah, to say to say he's played five games all year in about thirty games in about God knows how many years. What about Paul Pogba? For France. Yep. Yep. Paul Popper's done well. I think out of the France team, he probably has been the best player. That ball for Karim Benzema against Portugal. Well, I know the ball for um, the own goal, uh, the the Matsumo's home goal. That that outside of the well, it's a glorified toe poke, is what it is. Um, it <laughs> yeah. is a it is a toe poke. But that ball Everyone against a toe poke. Got an elegant toe poke. But that ball for Benzema, that was just. Everything about it was just poetic. But watching mm-hmm. him play for Man United, it's like, is this the same person? Yeah. Because uh, it, Lukaku's done very well as well. Yeah, yeah, he, he did struggle against Denmark um, yeah. a, a little bit, but until De Bruyne came on, yeah, but I think he's done very well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm he's trying to been... think of other players. I can't really think of a standout. Player. I think I think Spinazzola has done quite well for Italy. Um, the left-footed right back, or knows it right-footed left, right-footed left back. I think he is, or one of the others. It basically he plays on one side, but it's the other foot. I think it's at left back because they were comparing think, Kieran Trippier for England. I think Germany's best player has probably been Kai Havertz. Out of the games I've watched, I think Kai Havertz has been Germany's best player. <laughs> You're probably going to disagree, aren't you? I do. Yeah, unfortunately, I do like Kai Havertz. My problem is with Kai Havertz is obviously he's very young and I completely understand that. But he, he has a very big price tag hanging over his head. Yeah. And against Hungary, there was a situation where a ball came over the top and all he had to do was just feed it towards goal, just to yeah. get a shot at goal. And he took a touch and he went out for a corner. And I think that's been, I think that's been Germany for as a whole. In all fairness, yep. this lack of intensity, lack of lack of pace, a lot of passing sideways. And I'll get on to the regression of Leroy Sane later on. But yeah, I do like Kai Havertz. I, I think he's the, definitely the future of of Germany. But for me, uh, Germany's best player has been either well, it's been Matthias Ginter. Who's the um, the guy who's been playing wing back, the left side? Robin Gozans. Yeah, um, I think he's been quite good as well. Yeah, you can definitely tell he's got an Italian education. He plays, yeah. he plays at Atalanta. Yeah, he's he's been all right. He was very hungry. Hungry played. They stifled the the threat. Portugal. This is what I'll get to this later. But England or or fall foul of this. But Portugal was so narrow. Yeah, it gave Kimmich and Gorzans the the freedom of Munich, which is basically to take the piss, and yeah. the. And the the Gozan's goal is just 
just poor marking. Yeah. He's, he's got the he's got the freedom of the six yard box to just get a free header on it and 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 put it in and in all fairness, like Germany's better players actually changed the game against Hungary, especially when Leon Gretzka came on and and Jamal yeah. Mu- and Musiala. Musiala for five minutes has done more than Canabri's done in two and a half well two games two and a half games. Let's, let's focus on the actual sort of the home nation side that are well. Two have gone through and one has unfortunately gone home. So Scotland have unfortunately departed the tournament, um, finished bottom of the group, which was quite humorous amongst my England supporting friends. What What are your thoughts about Mason Mount and Ben Chilwell self-isolating and none of the Scotland players self-isolating? It just did, did not make sense to me at all. That's why two of ours had to, and but none of theirs did. And the players are tested regularly. Even if it's lateral flow test, they're still tested. I don't. If Mason Mount and Ben Chilwell come back negative, then why do they still have to isolate? Like I don't understand. Like it seems to be the change in the goalposts every time. By sounds of it, I just I do not understand these these rules anymore. They change that much. I just don't know, and I don't don't really follow them anymore because it just it's bullshit every time. I mean, I don't think we particularly miss Mount or Shearwell against the Czechs. But I do think it's weird that they had to and none of the Scotland team did. Yeah, especially after that photo surfaced with Steve Clark giving him a closer embrace mm. than Mason Mount did. And obviously Mason yeah. Mount and Ben Shearwell are going to congratulate Billy Gilmore because they play for the same club. Yeah. That that was only natural, no matter what Roy Keane says about this embrace. Like they're not just teammates. He, not every teammate is going to be an enemy. Like they play for the same club and they they train day in day out and they've they formed a close relationship. And to say that that was his first start for Scotland and he controlled that midfield. So obviously they're going to embrace him and congratulate him. That's just what friends do. So I, 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 I you you've hit the nail on the head. It just seems so bizarre that it seems to be one rule for some and one rule for others. And we've yeah. seen, obviously, in the British media today about our own health, our own health secretary breaking his own yeah, breaking his own rules. But it just seems to be like, yeah, we can we can do all these lateral flow tests, and but Mason Mount and Ben Chilwell have had to sit out, even though they've yes, they it's the right thing to do. But surely the whole yeah. the, the the third Scotland game against Croatia should have never gone ahead. Then surely yeah. it's just hypocrisy. I was I didn't mind like Chilwell and Mason Mount having to isolate because of that. But if the Scotland team didn't need to, that's no. I yeah, but oh. yeah, and Billy Gilmore's been around them for the entirety of the of the tournament, and yeah, it's been uh, exactly they're in bubbles, and whoever's sharing a room with, and is the likelihood of yeah, they might test negative now, but we we know with COVID that it comes on after a while, like he could be infected. Yes, Billy Gilmore is asymptomatic. He's obviously not going to be absolutely battered with it because due to his age and his profession and what he does but mm. surely it makes sense that the person he's actually sharing a room with unless they're all sh- not sharing a room at all which I don't find likely he just didn't yeah he, I agree it just didn't make any sense at all no. and even he, he, even the, the government were questioned upon this it's like well we want to see all the home nations do well it says yeah so do Scottish fans but it's about the safety if the role models that people are aspiring to be are being told different rules, why the bloody hell should I follow it or anybody else? Yeah. It just doesn't. Why? Why should I walk into a supermarket and wear a face covering, or why should I go or you go to work every day wear a face covering uh, yeah. to protect 
either your well, for my case my students or you to protect the customers that you see on a daily basis what's the what what's the point yeah it just seemed really bizarre to me and i don't want i, I wanted i was one of those obviously not being an england fan but i also wanted scotland to defy the odds a little bit and i wanted their best players on the pitch possible to give croatia a game because i'd have liked to see them have gone home because it would have been yeah. support not supporting the underdogs but wanting the underdogs to do well and it just seemed like not having Billy Gilmore. Yes, obviously, he's tested positive for COVID. Yes, he has to self-isolate. But that game should have put... If you're following the guidelines to the letter, yeah. that game should have never gone ahead. No, not for me. Anyway, well, Scotland have gone home. So the, yeah. that, that that issue is... And, and in England sailed through after, well, two 1-0 wins um, and, th- and, and three clean sheets. But we'll talk England in a short while. The first actual game of the round 16 is, well, a tasty tasty game and it's actually one of the other home nations who have who I secretly want to do quite well I, mm. I've I've got no problem in watching Wales um, do well because they defied the odds in 2016 yeah. and I, I think they could do this time so they play Denmark in yeah. Amsterdam that's the Saturday 5pm kickoff how do you yeah. think the how do you think the game will go from from both sides who are the who are the favourites what do you what, what 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 do you think about the game as a as a whole? Because it'll be a very close battle. I, I'm looking forward to this one. I actually think this is probably the tie of the round. Well, apart from probably England Germany, but in terms of like two teams, like you can't really you can't really call it. I'm actually really looking forward to this one. I, I do think well, both teams seem to have a bit of spirit about them because of obviously what's happened with Christian Eriksen. The they're putting a fantastic performance against Russia, which just, and everyone seems to want Denmark to do well because of it, and their spirits are quite high. And Wales, you just can't seem to stop the the Wales spirit either. Me and me and a, a lad I work with, we said like he actually said since Gary Speed died, unfortunately, Wales just seems to have become a different monster. Yeah, he changed the um, the whole yeah. ethos around Wales. It became they they had a really turbulent time in the in the two thousands under like. But like managers like John Toshak, for instance, that yeah. sort of were very egotistical about having the Wales job using their power and prestige. And Gary Speed, God rest his soul, absolute legend of the game, sort of brought it down to the level and just focused it on a, on a core group of lads. And I've heard quite a few commentators, even ex-players that have played for us, like how Robson Carno, for instance, says, all the Wales boys are just so united and so together. Yeah. And you can see that when you watch them play. Yeah. Like... Where Wales lacking quality in certain positions, fuck me, do they not lack in spirit? Yeah, they make it up with their spirit and top heart. That's the only thing I'm envy of Wales for, really, because you watch England and you think, come on, show a bit of fight and spirit. I know England play different, but I'm like, I do like, I do quietly envy Wales with the team spirit. I do like a team with good spirit and. Going against the odds. Go, yeah, going against the odds, and you're know, you're very used to that watching what you do at club level, especially when you were in the championship and yeah. um, fighting against some big big teams in there, especially when the likes of Leicester now Premier former Premier League champions are in there. Like I could probably relate with Harrogate Town more than Donny, to be honest. It's similar because obviously Town have got a, a, a good core of players, and they just keep going. My issue with Wales is if their two stars don't turn up, then they can tend to struggle, but. I hate saying this because he plays for Cardiff, right? How fucking good is Kiefer Moore? I know, he, he has improved a lot. He's he done very well. He's a handful. And the defenders don't like it, do they? 
even if like you play a team like I don't know Portugal for instance, like you've got yeah. Pepe and Ruben Diaz, like elite centre halves coming up against Kiefer Moore, I would absolutely hate it. <laughs> That now I want to see that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you, you want to see it, like even if it got to it, like what the semi-final potentially, if Wales got that far and said England could be England Wales. Yeah, obviously, I'd like it to be G- G- Germany. Obviously, get there before England, obviously. Yeah. But it could be like you, you could have Kiefer Moore against Matt Summers. Yeah, which would be an interesting tussle if they do get that far. They obviously got to take on a very good Danish side first, who have, like you've said, defied the odds. Jesus yeah. Christ, and I didn't. The, the only game of theirs I haven't watched was the Russia game. Um, up against Russia. Russia were very shit, but Denmark were fantastic. They scored three fantastic goals. The the, the second Denmark goal, he did, Russia just committed suicide there. But the goal from Christiansen was an absolute bullet, and he's a frigging centre half. I mean, it was quite easy in the end for Denmark, but they just they were brilliant against Russia. Yeah, they they were helped by their opponent, but it didn't take away yeah. from. It sounded like not from their class. Like I, I watched yeah. the, um, obviously watched the Finland game, and uh, I did watch. I think I watched the second half uh, of of the Belgium game. I think it was the second half. I might call it the end of the first half. Didn't catch it all, but. Um, I thought they were unfortunate to lose to Belgium, but. I'm I'm sort of siding with you. This could be apart from England, Germany could be the, and maybe Portugal, Croatia. If you're looking at the heavyweight side of it, yeah. Uh, could could definitely be the tie there. This is probably the most evenly matched yeah. game of of the round where I could not pick a winner. Can no. you? No, it could be penalties. Like that, that's how tight it is. I had to pick if I had a gun to your head. Who's going through out of that game? Thank. I think I would actually lead towards the Danes. Yeah, I I I, I think with tournament experience, yeah. I, I would for for anybody or oh, Jamie listening in, in uh, the beautiful country of Wales. We, as a podcast, would love to see Wales progress. Yeah. But I would not be surprised if it's Denmark. But, come on Wales, as far as I'm concerned. You've definitely got a a supporter on on this side of the Seven Bridge. It'd be, it'd be, a, it'd be a phenomenal game uh, in that group. But we may I'm as well... Jamie. I'm very sorry, Jamie, but... Soon as you bailed on us a while ago, no. Let's get to the uh, the ele- elephant that is in the room. I actually left work on Wednesday Wednesday afternoon. And I says I could already tell you what's going to happen before this game's even been played. That yeah. it's going to be an England Germany round of sixteen game I, at Wembley. I actually said it after the Czech Republic game because um, I sort of looked at the fixtures and thought, "Oh, Germany will beat Hungary." Obviously they didn't, and I thought it's just going to be England Germany. It's 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 nailed on, and then it's happened. Here we are. Exactly, and uh, for anybody that was well, to put it into context, ne- na- neither Ben or I were even born the last time England played Germany at a European Championships. And I've seen a lot of things on social media get revenge for 2010 with the Lampard goal, which was obviously a goal, uh, the biggest non-goal that was never that was never given by the by. I do have a, a funny picture that my grandfather once sent me about it, where instead of having a straight line where the ball had bounced, he jagged the line and photoshopped it. It's, it's hilarious just to take the piss. Both teams are coming into this game at Wembley on Tuesday in completely different, in differing form. England coming into it with three clean sheets and have... Not one of one of two. What well, other than Italy have not conceded a goal, but they've only scored twice. So they've also conceded the less, also scored the least. And then Germany are coming into this. Well, just about getting through 
the group yeah. of death because for 71 minutes against Hungary they weren't going anywhere apart from home um, and then it just it changed England's opponents changed eight times in one evening I think yeah. it changed five times in the second half um, <laughs> and and also Germany haven't beaten a top European side since the Confederations Cup in 2017 every top side they've played either in friendlies obviously and or in the World Cup even though our group at the World Cup wasn't particularly strong Um Sorry to any Swedes or South Koreans, um, but it's it's just that eternal matchup. First question I'm going to ask you before we go into each team: Does form actually matter in, in in a game such as in a magnitude of this? In a one-off game, no, it really doesn't. I think obviously momentum and confidence does matter, but but are, but but are England are confident? England to me have not looked confident. I think. I don't think we've looked particularly confident, but we have been. We, we haven't. I know. I was going to say we haven't looked like conceding, but we have. I think Pickford's done very well. To be fair, I think probably Pickford's been, for me, one of in the top three of England's outstanding performers across the three I games. Think he's been one of the best keepers in tournaments so far. Him and probably Danny Ward have done very well. And Rui um, Patricio, fuck me. Yeah. We look. I am. I actually. I am actually quite happy Maguire's back. Sort of watching that Czech Republic game, I know Czechs aren't. They can they can hurt you, but they're not. You know, they're not you know, your Germanys, your France, your Italys, and then what? I've watched Germany, and I think, I think England could actually frustrate Germany. And it's not like England to do that. I think we have actually have been a very solid team, but the only the only thing that's missing is goal. Well, we'll we'll dissect each team, and we'll start. Go on, we'll stop my side of the fence first and we'll, we'll go to the English side um, later on. I dread this game every time it gravitates itself. Be- bearing in mind, England fans, uh, this this has always made me laugh, England fans are obviously bothered about the countries that surround them, but they're also seemingly very bothered about Germany. Go to the other side of the North Sea and go to Germany. They're not even, they don't give a shit about England. <laughs> they, they don't. They really don't. This, it is as a, a, a prestigious game. We give a shit about one country and one country only, and that's the Netherlands. Yeah, that's the the international derby. Such this game obviously has prestige because of the the historical connotations with it, and I'm not going to go into that bullshit. But I'm interested to see your thoughts and what you've seen of what you've seen of Germany. And I'm actually going to start with actually what Thomas Müller has, has said in a in a pre-match interview. And I, I was reading um, Raphael Honigstein in the in who's a German commentator in the Athletic. I think it was the day before yesterday, and he's actually said openly that Germany have had no plan B or no plan at all in their opening games. Yeah. Is that? Do you think that's right? Absolutely, yeah. I think against um, France and Hungary specifically, I know it kind of worked against Hungary in the end, but um, they just they can, when the team can't when they can't break a team, man, they just don't really know what to do anymore. They just lump. Like hit and hope, kind of lump it in the box, and hope that Muller or whoever gets ahead on it, and or it just goes in off someone's ass, <laughs> and therefore they just sort of play backwards, sideways. It's, I think England and Germany have both been quite boring <laughs> in the tournament. Oh, absolutely! It's been. So, I, I don't. I don't know how you felt as an England fan, but it's been so frustrating. You, you, you've got all this possession, and you're just doing nothing with it. It's just sort of like, yeah, Tony Kors has had all this ball. He's the only one that looked like against Hungary that he could change the speed of the game up. 
And actually, we changed the speed of the game up a couple of times in the second half, and it resulted in shots on target. Mm. Uh, there was a point where we were 1-0 down, where Kors played the good ball into, into, um, into Gorsons, and it went back to Kors, and it went across the box. And it actually, it actually was a chance on goal. I was saying to, uh, well, to, to my mum specifically, like he was saying, all we, need, all we need to do is just take it up another 20%. Um, and just not play as sideways or as backwards. And I, my, there must have been ten times again. Mum were going for fuck's sake. It's gone backwards again. Like <laughs> it, she, all she, all she, all she, all she was going was immer rückwärts, immer rückwärts, immer rückwärts. It's, it, it was just one of one of the. But Germany have always played like that. It's under your under Jochen Löw. It's always been like that. It's been patient, quite passive at times, but we can go through the gears. Yeah. I haven't seen us go through the gears no. since we won the World Cup in 2014. Is it a sign that maybe you do need a change of ma- manager? Oh, absolutely. He should. He should have never. He should have gone after the World Cup. The World I'm Cup was a, he's still there, to be honest. I, I love you, Cam Love. I absolutely love him. Like he's. We've had so many good times and so many bad times. He's been involved in the Germany setup for nearly 20 years, and he still sniffs his feet. That, that's a bit grim. No, it's not just a bit grim, it is grim. But he's been involved with the, the international setup for such a long time. He was basically when Jurgen Klinsmann was there for the 2004 European Championships, he was essentially his, number, his, his right-hand man. He was, the, he was the natural replacement. He's, the, longer, he's the, the only European manager, I think, to ever go to this many consecutive Euros. Yeah. So, or is it five international tournaments on the trot? 2006, 2008... 2010, 12. Tw- uh, 2012, 2014, 2016, and now, well, obviously 2018, 2021. So that's eight consecutive tournaments. Yeah. He's been there as a permanent head coach. Like England have, have seen off quite, not seen off a fair amount of managers. Obviously Southgate's been there for five, four, five years now, maybe yeah. a little bit less than that. But with Capello, McLaren, and all that beforehand. Yeah, and Sven as well. It's it's been. It is time for a change, and I think yeah. Hansi Flick will bring something. Definitely with his Bayern Munich experience and looking at yeah. the two players that came on against Hungary that changed the game, have both played together for the entirety of the city. Kretzka has been injured for a fair while, but Musiala has played like thirty odd games. It's sensational, absolutely sensational. It was it was refreshing to actually hear Thomas Müller say that we have no plan. Um, because especially against Hungary, it looked like if that game would have if that game would have ended in a Hungary win, I'd have I'd have said we deserve to lose that game. Well, I, I watched it and I thought I thought Hungary were outstanding. They just did everything right apart from obviously defend the last goal. But uh, they, they were absolutely fucked. They were knackered yeah. by the end. Their fan. Oh, I, I love their fans as well. Yeah, I didn't like the political gestures that they were making, but yeah, their fans as a as an atmosphere creation, not be, yeah, as an atmosphere creation, their their political and ideological views were a bit extreme. But obviously, yeah. everyone has a right to express. But yeah, the the issues surrounding the LGBTQ um, banners, which are now under investigation by UEFA, were a bit unsavoury. Is probably the best way of putting it. But yes, their fans as a whole, atmosphere wise and volume wise, they. There must have been only what about two, three thousand of them there. It sounded yeah. like thirty thousand. Yeah. Even when they were pissing down rain, they were still they were loving it. Yeah, the rain, the the, <laughs> the, the, the 
I've been telling people for years that we have the most spectacular storms in southwest Germany, and uh, yeah. there you go. There was a yeah, the way they ran up the stand, fucking brilliant. <laughs> they were fucking marvelous. So, what did Germany have to do to expose England? What what do they what do they need to do to beat them? I think I really don't know what to say because I think it's a similar issue for both sides, in a way. I just think going forward, we've probably got a bit bit more pace. I think if Germany do sort of do the usual passing around the back sideways and all that, I feel like England might get frustrated as well because we like to do that. It's like, I think this could be probably one of the most boring games of football we were ever going to see. Oh, it's so overhyped. It's unbelievable. I think think it's going to be, it probably will be a 1-0 either side kind of thing. Ben is going to penalties and you know it. No. <laughs> I know we I know we beat Colombia, but no. You'll never not, not ever penalties again. You'll never ever beat the Germans on penalties. <laughs> never. Never. Imagine the newspapers if that happened on Wednesday morning. Imagine if. Imagine England beat Germany on penalties. It would just overrule every penalty shootout win that you've done. <laughs> Yeah, probably override your World Cup win in 1966 that England fans just keep harping on about, even though most of them are harping on about oh, it. Do you, know what's, do you know what's actually been bugging me? We're going completely off topic here. But um, we keep going about frigging 96. All the time. Yeah. It does my head in. It, it, it did my head in for the Scotland game. I must have seen that poor Gascoigne goal. I know it was a fantastic goal, but I was fed up of seeing it. I could replay it in my head now, just in flicking it off. It's a great goal, right? Start play something different. Years ago. I saw something on on social media that it's, and this is quite a good point to be fair. That this is a a chance for Gareth Southgate to push the demons out the back yeah. of his head for that penalty miss, uh, and is it yeah. and it's a chance for him to not rectify himself because he's been he's been I think he's been okay for England. I don't think he's the most yeah. outstanding coach. Um, yeah. I, I like him as a person. He's I think I heard Carlton Palmer once said he says if if. Um, if you get if your daughter brought him home, uh, you know he's not going to cheat on her, but he's not going to excite her either, sort of thing. <laughs> and it, it, and it's it's fucking true, isn't it? Oh my god! <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's that in it. He's he's not vanilla, but he's like yeah, he's not going to cheat on her, but he's not going to excite her either, is he? Sort of thing. Um, yeah, it's like you get vanilla ice cream and you put a couple of strawberries in, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. He makes something. He makes something slightly better, but you're not going to yeah. get that. There's no edge to it. There's, there's. It's very, it's very simple. It's very straightforward. There's, it's quite. It's just very straight edge. It's very OCD like, but I definitely think he's got an opportunity to actually demonstrate whether he is actually right for England or not. Not just yeah. to put those demons in the back of the head, but actually beat a top side. Because yeah. if you look at England's record, not just even in competitions. Play Belgium, lost. Play Croatia, yeah. lost. Two quality sides, but they can beat teams like Panama, for instance, in the World Cup. Yeah, it's fucking Panama, mm-hmm. and the Czech Republic are a half decent side. They've beaten England in the over two years ago in the qualifiers for this exact tournament. Yeah. But who have they really faced? That's well. They're not the Croatia of the World Cup. But it's pretty much the same to you. You've got a 35-year-old running at midfield. This is the chance for England to prove themselves, I guess. Absolutely. Because if I, I, I honestly think that if England go out on Tuesday, which, sorry, I'm hoping it happens, 
<laughs> I think that is the end of the road for Gareth Southgate. I, I do as well. If you can't, pre- yeah, you can beat all the minnows all you want, but mm-hmm. you've got the. This is the best England team for my lifetime. The 2006 team, the World Cup team that went to Germany, was phenomenal. How that never got any further than it did is 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 always beyond me. This it's team is great. so exciting, yeah, but. There's more togetherness with this team, I think. Absolutely, but he's made some strange decisions, and we'll talk about them in a minute. Like bringing, like I know Jude Bellingham is so exciting, and he's fantastic to watch. And I've watched a fair amount of him uh, for Borussia Dortmund this season. But what does Jaden Sancho actually have to do to get a fucking I game? I don't know. There's, I say this every time. There is something going on between Gareth Southgate and Calvin Phillips. I know Phillips has been quite good for England in the Euros. But I just don't understand why he constantly picks him. Like, yeah, there's something going on there. My, my problem is with, with Calvin Phillips, he was fantastic against Croatia in the first game. And against Scotland, he was a shadow. Yeah, I don't think we needed to play him against Scotland. I don't think he did either. I, I really don't. Um, and I agree with you. It's like, what does Jane Sancho have to actually do? Not even to start, but he, he was reluctant to bring Grealish on. Mm. Like, Grealish is about to go to Man City for 100 million quid. It's bizarre. Some of the selections he's made have been a little bit hit and miss for me. Like against Croatia, for instance, taking Kane off and putting Rashford on. Yeah. Like Rashford, was he playing two positions? Yeah. One position? Just some things I've just not quite got yeah. my head round. Um, and Jaden Sancho is definitely one of them. Bearing in mind, probably off the top of my head, Yeah. apart from Romelu Lukaku, yeah. Bruno Fernandes... Jaden Sancho is probably the most informed player in Europe right now. Yeah. For the latter end of that season. Yeah. I think it was something like 15 goals, 14 assists for Borussia yeah. Dortmund. The odd comment that I heard Gareth Southgate make was that he's too young for this, yeah. but then plays Jude Bellingham. And Saka. And Saka, who, by the way, against Czech Republic, was fucking outstanding. He was he brilliant. If he plays against Germany... Whoever it might be, Joshua Kimmich or Robin Gozans will have a fucking torrid time. They'll be having nightmares. Yeah. Because what the sacker is, he's not a backwards kind of player. He will run forwards and forwards and forwards and forwards and continue to go forwards. That's I think he was just positive. Yeah. And Calvin Phillips can be positive and other players can be. Raheem Sterling can't be positive. The problem is he scored, he scored both our goals. So he's going to play, isn't he? He is going to. I think what we needed against the Czechs was to score some goals and specifically get Harry Kane a goal. But yeah, he's so low on confidence, bless him. I don't think he's fit, to be honest. But... He, this was the problem in Russia as well. He looked, he, he, He's played such a long season and Spurs rely on him so, so, so much. He probably does probably two players worth of running every single yeah. game. But, he, but you know if the ball falls from him in the box, he's going to put it away. Oh, he's going to bury it. Oh, absolutely. But he's just that's, and if we get a penalty, he's going to smash it top corner. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I, I certainly agree with you. He does not look fit. And do you know what? Just for a local aspect, I don't want him see. I don't want to see him play against Germany. I don't. I don't want to see Don Carver leave because he'll cause us all no. sorts of problems. But I think that might be a, a possible. Was is that a possible question, Gareth Southgate's mind? No, because he'll play Rashford one day probably. <laughs> Yeah, but if you look at Germany, if you look at Germany's weaknesses yeah. at this tournament so far, he's putting that ball across that box. 
turning Germany's centre-halves around, right? Yeah. If you've got Sancho one side and Saka and Luke Shaw and, and, play, and players like that that can put a good ball in box and turn Germany around, yeah. you, you need to get behind our wing-backs. Get behind our wing-backs, yeah. you've found our weakness. Because yeah. Rudiger has got a foul in him. Matt yeah. Summers, I've seen elderly people move faster than he is. And Matthias Ginter, yes, he's good, but he can't do it on his own. And as far as I'm concerned, Joshua Kimmich is not a right back. It all depends, but we'll get to the England selection later. I definitely think the key to to Germany is if if you if if we use our wing backs effectively, and if England play narrow, which they have done the first three games, you're gonna have all sorts of problems. If you give Robin Gozan's time on the ball, he's going to be dangerous. He's not going to take you on, but he's going to put a wicked ball in box. He'd be up against Kyle Walker, wouldn't he? Probably. He'd be up against Kyle Walker. Yeah. Um, I think Kyle Walker's actually been better since we since we slated him against Croatia. Yeah, I I agree. I think they actually came up against each other in the Champions League mm. when Man City played Atalanta, yeah. and Robin Gosens had a good game that game. Mm. So it all depends on the, on the system that that Germany play. It's going to be a very similar system, but it depends what the what the the personnel. Um, but I definitely think pace and the wing backs are going to be a key issue. Last question on the uh, the black, red and gold. Uh, who are the, who would you say the danger men for, for the Germans? I think it's Leon Goretzka, if he's fit. I fucking I, hope so. And I, I said it before after Kai Havertz, but I, I do think the wing back, um, the Gozen's the wing back, I think he's... He's an issue, but up against Kyle Walker, I'd probably, I wouldn't be too worried, but if he's good at delivering the ball in the box, depending on who plays, it could cause problems. But I don't know who, who's going to start front for Germany. Well, that's it. That's that's the eternal question. Um, and it's definitely a question that I've asked myself, and I'll, I'll give you my team in a second, that I, I would like... Um, I'd like to see play um, because I've made some quite bold calls in in this team because this team definitely won't play no. um, <laughs> because because Yogi Löw is about as he's about as ambitious as a Trabant. No. Um, it's it's but yeah I definitely think if Leon Gretzka plays he's one of those midfielders that will break the lines he will yeah. find he will find the space and countless amounts of times after he came on he was in the box yeah as much as I love Ilkay Gundogan. Antoni Kors. Kors got in the box twice against Hungary. Gundogan did go in once. They're both very, very similar players. I do want, I do like them both. I think all three of them together would be would be quite good. Um, but yeah, you you've picked out my two my two players is definitely Robin Gosens and and Leon Kretzka as well. Uh, I'll give you my team that I want to start against England. I actually heard somebody say on the radio. Oh, was it was it Rob Green? Yeah, he says, oh, none of this team that played in 2010 still plays for Germany now. Wrong. <laughs> wrong, because Manuel Neuer played that day. So that's wrong. And Thomas Miller played that day because he scored. I've got a picture on my phone of him diving against David James, so that's wrong. But the team I would play uh, against England is Manuel Neuer in goal, obviously. Um, then from right to left, so right wing by Joshua Kimmich. And then the three centre-halves would be uh, Ginter, Hummels and Rudiger. And then Robin Gosens at left wing back. Two in the middle, so uh, Tony Kroos and Ilkay Gundogan. 
then one in front, so the Roma, Leon Gretzka, and then Musiala, Werner, Müller. That would be what I would play. So I would drop Gnabry, Sane. Yeah, I'd just move a few around. So, because Sane was so ineffective against Hungary, it was yeah. it was unbelievable. You can tell he's not played much football for Bayern. A team that's sitting fairly deep, Sane's probably not the answer. No, 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 no. no you need a team not like England. He'd probably, probably do all right against England, to be fair. I definitely think I'd, 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 he'd definitely be in my first three substitutions to come on. Okay, so we'll leave... Leave Germany and we'll go to the England side. Um, like I said earlier, coming into this with three clean sheets and two goals scored and obviously non conceded. But first question I want to ask to you, Ben, as a as a as an England supporter is should England trust Jack Grealish against the Mannschaft? What does he actually bring to the team and how can he hurt Germany? I absolutely think he should be playing. Because he is an absolute prick when he's on the ball because he'll just go down and win a free kick. Just like that. And if Rudiger's prone to giving fouls away, Jack Grealish will have him on toast all day long. I think when he when he gets the ball, he draws defenders away. And I think that's what suited um, players like Sterling and Saka. Because um, if you watch the goal against the Czech Republic, when Grealish had the ball, he, he was drawing players towards him and it was opening room at the back post for... Um, Sterling and Saka, and I think I think Grealish is key. I know Foden's this wonderful little talent, but I think Grealish is the answer. How can he hurt Germany? I think it depends on how Gareth Southgate approaches the game itself, but um, I think the way he'll hurt Germany is by getting on the ball. If we can get him on the ball, and the, the problem is you could probably say this about players like Goretzka, once they're on the ball, especially you know watching Grealish, you get the, if he gets the ball, you're not getting it off him unless you bring him down. He's, yeah, he'll frustrate Germany. I think he does that. He does that piece of skill, doesn't he? That pisses mm. defenders off, um, where he he flicks his he's got the ball in front of him, mm. and he sort of flicks his foot around it, and he invites the challenge forward. Yeah. It's, it's a unique. It's he's what he's one of the best technical footballers I've ever seen. It, it might be a bit of. He might be annoying, like going down all the time. But if you fit, but that, that's that, that's how the game is. As much as I dislike it, even he said it himself. He says I don't want to go down, but if for contact, I'll go down. You, you play. You, you only can play with the rules that you get given. He's not a cheat. Mm. I yeah. actually admire him for being honest about it, and I like Jack Grealish as a person. Like hearing him interviewed, he sounds thick as fuck, bless him, because of his thick Birmingham <laughs> accent. But he's not. He's yeah. a very well round. I know he's obviously got. He's not particularly good at knowing what the drink drive limit is, but um, he's a very, very well-rounded human being, and he's very, very well-liked, um, mm. and he seems to be just living his best life. Um, and ever since he was a very young kid at Aston Villa, and he's been very, very loyal to Villa as well. Like They could have sold him to Spurs a couple of years ago for umpteen million amount of money. Yeah. But I, I'm scared. I, I, am, I am scared, especially if him and Phil Foden are on the same pitch. I don't think he'll do that, to be honest. I think he'll put one or the other. But I think in the second half, for mm. instance, if it's one or the other, then they'll both be playing yeah. together at some point. Depends if, but it needs I, to change a change formation for that. I was thinking, like, if if he plays Grealish, because Foden wasn't even on the bench against the Czech, so I haven't actually seen why he wasn't. But um, No, but he's been... Tra- no, yeah, I do know, it's because he was on a yellow. 
You wore yeah. a yellow card from one of the early games, and the yellow card rules fucking nonsense. It's stupid. <laughs> um, but with the way, with how well Saka played, I don't think Foden can just walk straight back in the team. Well, you, but you saying that it's just actually led onto my question very, very nicely. Can Mason Mount just walk straight back in the team if he's fit to play? Does he walk back into the team or does he have to earn his way back in? I don't think he does, no. I, d I thought he was poor against Scotland, to be honest. Even though you're the vice-chairman of the Mason Mount <laughs> fan club. He was fantastic against Croatia, but against Scotland, it he, he didn't suit him, no. Would you stick with Rice and Henderson? Would you just play the one and be a bit more adventurous? And I don't know. It could... If you play Goretzka, Crows and Gundogan, I, I would rather have two, but it, I, Southgate's predictable. You know he's going to pick Phillips and Rice regardless. I wouldn't even mind seeing Henderson play. But I thought he was all right when he I, came I on. I thought he did all right when he came on, but I don't think Calvin Phillips or Declan Rice have done anything wrong to suggest that they can drop out. I think Declan Rice is superb. I've said this before. I, I never used to like him. I thought he was a bit of an arsehole, but... I think he's um, been a bit of an unsung hero for this this team so far. Like he just sits in front of the back four and just does all the ugly stuff. But he's not a bad footballer, is he? Usually no. the players that do the ugly stuff. I remember Nick Montgomery when he played for us. Great at tidying shit up, but could not pass a ball to save his life. <laughs> yep. But we loved him for it, and I think England fans have really gotten on Declan Rice's side. Yeah. Uh, for that, what can Germany exploit? I think it's the pace of. Um, Harry Maguire that I'm not sure about that I, I'm a little bit unsure about Luke Shaw like I think he's done alright but he looks overweight I think I think he looks a bit chubby he's always looked chubby though hasn't he? he's yeah. always he's always been like when, especially when he moved from Southampton he's always been a bit chubby I, I thought I sort of watched the Czech Republic game. I thought he's 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 a bit chunky, but Chilwell's probably not going to be available. So well, he might be, but Luke Shaw hasn't done anything bad. But he likes to get forward, play wing backs, which he will. Yep, it, it could catch him out a little bit. I think Carl Walker will be fine. I know Luke Shaw's rapid, but I think Carl Walker's a better defender than Luke Shaw. Even though probably Luke Shaw's had the better season than Carl Walker has. Yeah. I guess the other weakness is Harry Kane. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. England have been, I, I don't say this lightly, but England have been a little bit toothless going forward. They've not created, the, they've they've had a lot of the ball, but apart from John Stones hitting post and Phil Foden hitting post. Hit the post in the first five minutes of all three games. Yeah, that's very true. Against um, the Czechs, didn't the they? Czechs, yeah. But apart from that, can you really think of another clear-cut chance? Apart from those three, three and the two goals. Kane on a few, but yeah. But has it been clear-cut? Has it been like? Yeah. There was that. Oh, to, to be fair, there was that one where Kane should have squared it to Sterling again. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a repeat of Russia. No, I'm not yeah. replaying that one. Clearly, we just need that one chance by the looks of it. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I am scared to play England, but I really, really do. If if Germany are on, if Germany play like they did against Portugal, England don't have a hope in hell's chance. No, 
we will have your pants down. But playing that way, bearing in mind in the last four years, that's the best I've seen us play since beating Holland 3-2. It, it, honestly, it depends what side of either team turns up and who feels the pressure less. I honestly think because Germany are the what we would call in Germany the Turniermannschaft, the tournament team, where we can play absolutely shit either side of the tournament and just turn up. Yeah. Because that is the quality that we have. Bearing in mind, you look at the experience that want. We, you've got two of our players with over a hundred caps. England don't have that. No. I think the most player with the most caps is Raheem Sterling. Yeah. Somebody can fact check that for me. I know the four four Brew lads will probably fact check me on that. I think it's Raheem Sterling, but Manuel Neuer's on hundred plus caps. Tony Kroos, one hundred and three caps. Joshua Kimmich, yeah, Kimmich is fairly high up. Uh, Hummels is not far off 100, I think he's on like 90-odd. Müller is on, I think he's in the 100s as well. Whereas, I think that tournament experience, yeah, we're not playing well. Uh, and England do have a lot of flair players. But if they don't turn up or if the spark's not there, mm. it will be a tight game. If if Germany are on song, the likelihood of England getting further in the round of 16 is decreasing by the second. And you've watched Germany plenty of times in the before, even when we like yes, you compare the semi final in Brazil, mm. and then we played Argentina in the final. Yeah. That game was one of the worst games I've ever watched. It was so <laughs> it was so tight, and it took Mario Götze in the like, hundred whatever minute to to finally break the deadlock. If England can hold their defensive nows, yeah, I th- who knows? I think well, if you're gonna play with wing backs. I wouldn't mind seeing us try and like go back at you with wing backs as well, but I think if we do that, we're kind of hurting ourselves as well. I, I don't think England have to. Yeah. I think Gareth Southgate's problem. He's too when he comes against the top sides, he's scared about the strengths of the opposition, yeah. rather than focusing on what the strengths of his own side are. Instead of trying to match them up and trying to nullify their strengths, yeah. I was always taught that the best form of defence is attack. But I don't think Gareth Southgate has that mentality as a coach to do that. And I don't think Joachim Löw does either. But you think of managers like Jürgen Klopp, for instance, who would do that. He would, at the end of the Hungry game, we had four strikers on the pitch. And I looked at my mum and went, fucking hell, we've actually been adventurous. Like we've actually put it, and I don't think Ingle would do that. Usually, it's a like for like substitution. He wouldn't sacrifice a centre half and bring a centre forward on, for instance. No. So, and I think to beat to win that game comfortably, you're gonna have to do that. If it's nil nil after seventy five eighty minutes, is it worth sacrificing one of the wing backs going to four at the back and putting somebody up front? Yeah. And then maybe in the eighty fifth minute, say to Aaron Maguire, right, fuck off up there, mate. And get your yeah. get 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 your iron head on it. This is going to be the biggest game of chess this tournament yeah. has has had yet. It's going to be, <laughs> it, it, it's going to be, it's going to be like the France Germany game was the same. They were trying to work each other out for such a long time, and France never got out of second gear. Mm. Um, and they didn't need to because Germany were just yes, we had all the ball again. Mm. Um, I, I need to find the statistic of how many passes we've made over this tournament so far. Yeah. It's just, it's it's just fucking stupid. Um, yeah, probably not. Probably not, to be fair. But we will see. Okay, I want you to, before we move on to the last little bit, give me your team to play Deutschland. Well, my team... Your team to play, yes. I'm, well, I'd have Pickford and the back four the same. Yes. 
I think I would have Declan Rice and I'd have Declan Rice. I'd, I'd actually have Jordan Henderson, but I think he'll go with Calvin Phillips because he always does. Um, the problem I've got is is in front of them is is in front of them and behind Harry Kane. Like I, I'd have Saka and I'd have Sancho, but he's not going to play Sancho. Or Saka. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think he's got to play Saka after that performance. I, I if it was me, I'd friggin' drop Sterling because he hasn't done anything other than score. But I'd have Grealish. I'd, I'd probably put Grealish in middle, to be honest. No, stick him out wide. Mm. He, well, he, he's not as effective out wide. I was more thinking like have Saka, Sancho and Grealish but then like interchange quite a lot mm. and then Kane up front but he's going to go with Sterling and Sterling will probably go behind Kane and Grealish will go out wide Okay, but I think I think we need Jason Sancho for this one I definitely do as well and a lot of these players he'll have played against this season yeah, exactly. he'll have played against these players but Gareth Southgate just doesn't fancy him. Jaden Sancho has something on Gareth Southgate that he doesn't want to expose. And I have no idea, but he's baffled me. I've even tried working out as a as an outsider, and I just still can't. Okay, and then, the... and then on the bench, I'd have I'd have like Foden, Mount, like good players on the bench. <laughs> that bench will be scary. Okay, yeah. just before we get to the quiz at the end, um, I would quiz. <laughs> yes, you are. I would like to. Know your prediction. England one, Germany nil. Okay, fair enough. I'm going uh, England two, Germany two, and we're going to win four one on penalties. Yes, I'm going. I'm going all the way. I, I'm going for the extra heart attack. So hopefully, whoever gets closer, mine and Taylor's bet. By the way, if you listen to episode one, will be sorted at the end of this game. I have to. I can't remember what actually what the odds were and what the stakes were, but is, is uh, it? Be, I think is it, it was whoever gets knocked out first. Or... Oh, it's a tenner in it. It's money. It's monetary yeah. rather than pints. He still owes me four pints for a podcast about three months ago, so mm-hmm. I need to challenge him on that. I'll see him on Sunday. Okay, right. Yeah, I've got a quiz. I found a quiz online, um, okay. which we're both going to take part in. I haven't written this, and I haven't got the answers either. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll may as well go for it. Did you got from <laughs> no, no, it's not from Sparkle. No, it's actually, this is actually on the Athletic. It was posted today. I've not even seen it, but I've I've seen it. I'm just going to ask you the questions and see how many you get. I think it's twenty altogether. And there's some good. I've read the first question, and it's it's a good. It, is it's it a good. It, no, it's, it, it's, it's Euros. Yeah. It, 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 the question is: Have you been inhaling the matches of Euro 2020? Question mark. Really? Question mark. Okay, let's have a go. Okay, so question one. Uh, a player from which country now holds the record for the youngest ever appearance maker at the European Championships after coming on as a sub in one of their group games? So the four options are England, Spain, Finland or Poland. I'm going to write my answers down and then we'll click an answer that whatever we either we both say or what you say. I, think so, I already know one of them. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to write my answer down and then we'll go at the same time. So what answer? What, 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 what's your answer? Poland. I've put Poland as well, so we'll go with Poland. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's uh, Kasper Kozlowski, aged 17 years and 246 days. It was England, wasn't it? It was for Jude Bellingham. Yeah. I think that record lasted like three or four days, didn't it? (laughs) It, it, Record odd. I'm going to write that. Okay. Question two. 
Which two teams lost all of their group games in the in the in the group stages? Turkey, Russia, Turkey, Poland, North Macedonia and Turkey, North Macedonia and Poland. I think I know that one as well. I do as well. Okay, what's your answer? Two teams. Yeah. Yeah. Turkey and North Macedonia. That's what I've got as well. Yeah, absolutely spot on. So that's two two so far. North Macedonia were that bad. Yeah, they were alright. They, they, they were never. They were like five thousand. I think they were like Leicester City odds to win it to begin with. Uh, question three: Which Portugal player had to withdraw from their squad after testing positive for COVID nineteen? Jose Font, uh, João Cancelo, William Carvalho, or João Felix? I know that one as. I know that one as well. Okay, your answer is Cancelo. Yeah, that's my answer as well. Yeah, Xiao Cancelo is absolutely correct. So that's free from free. Hopefully these get a bit harder. Okay. Oh, God. Fucking hell, this one's... Okay. Okay, question four. Which English club provided the most players to all the squads within the tournament with 15? Is it Man City, Man United, Liverpool or Chelsea? Ooh. I don't know. I'm so between two. So am I. I've, I've pumped with one, me. I have no idea. I'm gonna go, yeah. I'm gonna go with. I'm probably going for the obvious one, to be honest. Which Even is Man City. Yeah, I've got Man City as well. I th I don't think it is. I have a feeling this is Chelsea. Okay. I was. It is I Chelsea. Was. Oh, <laughs> why did I go with my gut? I, I wrote. I was. I was actually torn between both Manchester clubs, but I, I knew Chelsea. I did think, I did think Chelsea actually. They've had quite a lot. Yeah, you've got Jorginho, Cesar Aspilicueta, Rudiger. Uh, I, I don't know if Kepa's been selected for Spain. Um, you've got Giroud for France. Oh, Werner. Oh, fuck, Havertz. Shit, I should have gone with my gut, gut feeling. Anyway, okay. Which of the, Question five. Which of the following players was born after Goran Pandev made his international debut back in 2001? Ferran Torres, Ryan Gravenberg, Jean-Luigi Donnarumma or Jadon Sancho. So one of those players was play was born afterwards. Ravenberg. Sancho, I know Sancho's twenty one, so he's born in two thousand. Donnarumma's twenty two. I'm not. I don't know. If I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go Gravenberg. Gravenberg. I'm going purely from fit three. Yeah, Ryan Gravenberg. Yeah, which yeah. it is. Yeah, Ryan Gravenberg. I don't know how, how old Ferran Torres is actually. Okay, question six. Three goalkeepers scored own goals during the group stage. Wojciech Chesney and Martin Dubravka were two. Who is the other? Is it Hojdojic Bushan, Matovej Svenov, Luka, Lukas Hedvecki or Hugo Lloris? I don't know. Um... Uh, North Macedonia's own... Yeah, fuck it. I think it, I'm going to go with that one as well. Okay, so you're going with that Bush channel, are you going Stefanov? Are you going Matavis Stefanov? It isn't, it's the Finland goalkeeper. L Lucas Lucas Haradecki. Well you're on the same as me, we've got four out of six so far. So I'll put six there next to it. Okay, question seven. Patrick Schick scored the longest goal in the tournament history. Uh, against Scotland on match day one, finding the net from 49.7 metres. Whose record did he beat? Davos Sucur, Torsten Frinks, Louis Figo or Frank Dubois? Frank Dubois. Yeah, 
Oh, I'm torn between two. Oh, Dubois scored a cracking goal, but was he from a billion yards out? Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for it because he's German. I'm gonna toss him flakes. I think he's. I don't know. Oh, I think it might be Figo. Who was the first one? Davos Sukir. Wasn't he the one that did the lob? Yeah, I think so, but I don't know how far it was from. Oh, I don't that's... think he was that far. No. I remember Torsten, I remember Torsten Fling scoring a screamer for Germany. I can't remember if it was Euro 2008 or Euro 2004. I've, I've, I have no idea. I'll go with Figo. You going Luis Figo? Okay, I'll press I'll press your answer. It is Torsten Frinks. Uh, yeah, it is Torsten Frinks. Yeah. So I'm one up on you. I'm gonna have to watch that goal again. I can't I'll have to find it. I can't remember off the top of my head. Okay, question eight. Which team was the first to confirm their qualifi qualification to the last sixteen? Netherlands, Belgium, Italy or England? Okay, you say in Italy? They still played first, didn't they? So it probably will be then. It is Italy, yeah. I'll put Netherlands, because I actually thought it was Netherlands. But, yeah. Because of their points, Tally. Mm, I shouldn't have got that one wrong, but never mind. So the scores after, what, on the ninth question are I am on one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, and you are also on five. So, question nine. Who was the first player to be yellow-carded at Euro 2020? Was it Oskan Tufan, Serglaj Soyuncu, oh, why are they all Turkish? Halil, Devazgolu, <laughs> and LK Yokshalu. So, Tufan, Soyuncu, Devazgolu, sorry, Turkey, and LK Yokshalu. I don't have I'm going to go. I've got a guess. It's definitely a guess. I'm going to hunt you. I'm going to hunt you as well because he's a centre half. And he was! Correct! <laughs> he was. I like this quiz. Okay, question 10. These are getting progressively harder now. Goran Pandev scored the first European Championship goal in North Macedonia's history. Well, I know this one. Who scored the second? Is it Elif Elmas, Alexander Tchaikovsky, Enes Berardi, or Ezgan Alioski? It's not Alioski. I think it might be the second one. Okay, you're going Traskovsky. I don't know. I really don't know. Traskovsky didn't. It was Alioski that scored the second okay. one. It was Alioski. I remembered that because a Leeds fan put it on Twitter that Alioski scored the second goal. I just remembered that. That's one I did know. Okay. Question 11. Who were responsible for Portugal's own goals in their 4-2 loss to Germany in match day two? Rafael Guerrero or Pepe? Pepe and Ruben Diaz, Ruben Diaz and Rafa Guerrero, or Pepe times two? Um, C. Guerrero and Diaz. Okay, you're going Ruben Diaz and Rafa Guerrero, that's what I've gone for as well. Yes, yeah. absolutely spot on. What I'll, what I'll do, by the way, is so you can see the authentications of my answers, I will post a picture on our socials so you can see what I've written, so you know I'm not cheating. The stadiums in which two host cities are named after a legendary former player. I know which one. I know one of the cities, but the ones they mix with. I know with. one of them. Yeah. So the options are Amsterdam and Budapest, Budapest and Sevilla, Sevilla and Amsterdam, and Budapest, uh, Amsterdam and Bucharest. I think it is. Uh, well, I know one of them. So do I. 
I don't know the other one. <laughs> no, I've I've punted I've punted a guess. Well, I've I've eliminated one straight away. Amsterdam and Seville. That's what I've gone for because Amsterdam is Johan Cruyff Arena. Yeah. Oh, it might be Bucharest. Oh bollocks! We'll go for it. Oh no, it's Amsterdam and Budapest. Yeah. Even though, what Budapest is the Pushkas Arena or. Oh, it's named, oh, named after a person. Bollocks! <laughs> oh, Bollocks. Oh, stupid. <laughs> anyway, anyway, question 13. What share of possession did Spain record in their nil-nil draw with Sweden? 65, 75, 85 or 95? 75. Okay, you've got 75. I've got 85. It is 85 as well. Question 14. Who scored Italy's winner against Wales? So your options are Locatelli, Barella... Pessina and Verratti. He was Pessina. That, I uh, watched that game with Pessina. Yeah, okay, you're going, uh, Matteo Pessina. It's the only one I actually remember out of these ones actually scoring a goal, so it's the one I've gone for, and it is Pessina. Okay, question 15. Which of these coaches did not represent their country as a player? Rob Page for Wales. Gunes for Turkey, Steve Clark for Scotland, or Jana Andersson for Sweden? Um, I'm going oh. Rob Page. Well, I actually, I actually know you are wrong. Okay. I, no, I, I, actually, I actually do know, but I've gone Jana and uh, the ones I did know were Rob Page. He actually captained Wales. Uh, honest, I, I didn't know Rob Page until like... <laughs> you're Rob... Yeah, Rob Page used to play for Sheffield United. He played for him in my early days. Steve Clark played for Scotland. I've gone Jana Anderson for Sweden. Oh, and I'm right! And I'm actually right! I had no idea that was a guess. That was a guess. Okay, question 16. Who has scored the latest goal of the of the competition so far? Or as in, like, in minute-wise? No, it means as latest as in the one that's closest to the end of the, the, the conclusion. I presume so. I don't really understand the question. Well, the the options are Vic, Vic, Victor Klassen, Cristiano Ronaldo, Conor Roberts, and Romelu Lukaku. By if, I, mean, it, it, I, I don't get that at all. No, it says who has scored the latest goal of the competition so far. So, but the quiz was released this morning, earlier today. So the last game was Portugal and Germany. Did Ronaldo score after Germany did? I don't think he did. No, I don't think he did either. Well, I'm I'm just going to pump with Ronaldo because. Is it not Goretzka? Well, Goretzka's not a, Goretzka's not an option. Well, it must be Ronaldo then. It, it must be it, Connor Roberts. Who has scored the latest goal of the competition so far? For who? Is this correct answer? Is Connor Roberts? Is it is it actually like in the, like minute wise like ninety plus? I don't. Possibly, yeah, it, yeah, possible. it, yeah, it must be, yeah, it must be the wording of the question. Well, Conor Roberts scored ninety plus two, right? Well, fair enough. Right, we'll get the question. We'll both get it wrong. So, it, it says it in the context of latest goal, as in the one that's closest in time. But it's both in the same spelling, so I'll be right. Okay, seventeen. Which of these players has been recorded by UEFA as having achieved the highest speed of the tournament so far? Option one is Kylian Mbappe. Briel Imbolo, Leonardo Spinazzola, or Daniel James? I feel like Mbappe is too obvious. 
but he's uh, fucking rapid. He's rapid. <laughs> I've gone for my favourite speedster of all time because he's Shaq. Go You're going to go Mbappe? I've gone Breeling Bowler because he's crap at football. He's actually Spinozola. Okay. He has recorded, he's clocked a speed of 33.8 kilometres per hour. Okay. Fuck, that's fast. <laughs> um, yeah, Gazelle, that's where he is. Okay, 18. How many decisions have been overturned by VAR in the group stage? 5, 7, 9 or 11? I feel like that'd be that many, so I'm going 7. I'm going to go 7 as well, because there was definitely 2 in the Germany game. Seven is correct. What? I think the last match day was probably where most of them were. Yeah, there was two against the the two France goals that they did score against yeah. Germany. That's two. Um, yeah, it's not been that many that I can remember off the top of my head. Okay, nineteen. Of these sides, which were the only team to score more than one goal during the group stage? Slovakia, Scotland, Turkey, and Finland. Oh, I know that one, I think. What was the question? So the question read, of these sides, which were the only team to score more than one goal during the group stage? Slovakia, Scotland, Turkey or Finland? Slovakia. Yeah, I've gone Slovakia as well, because they beat Poland 2-1, didn't they? It is yeah. Slovakia. They scored two. <laughs> Scotland only scored one, so did Turkey. and whoever the other one was. I think this is the last one. And of the teams which were knocked out of the group stage, who scored the most? Russia, Poland, North Macedonia or Hungary? First and last answer are the same. Yeah, I think I'm alright with that. Poland. I've gone Poland as well. I think it is Poland. It is Poland. They scored four. They scored twice against Sweden. Yeah. Uh, they scored once against Slovakia. Once against Spain. Yeah. I was very close with going to Hungary, but I thought actually yeah. Poland scored So twice. I, I know my score, but oh no, we, we picked them together. So right, I'll do yours first. So you've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 out of 20. And I got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 out of 20. Hopefully, I am victorious on Tuesday as well as in the quiz. But my likelihood of that is fucking slim too. It says on here you can actually create your own quiz. So I might create my own quiz for you next time out. Yeah. Ben, as always, thank you very, very much. Yeah. And may the best man win for, course, yeah. for, for Tuesday. Uh, let's hope for a Germany win and I will come celebrating with glorious music if not I am going to be skinned because I'll owe Taylor about a billion pounds yeah. if if that is the case but once again thank you very much for your contributions okay. and we'll see you in the next episode Yeah. bye see you later guys